do excuse me, civic duties leave little time for a sandwich. Welcome to the Hoovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm Colin. I'm Kelsey. And tonight we are going to be talking about Boomtown, where the Slovene known as Margaret, who is still on Earth, surprisingly, comes back from the dead, uh, so to speak. Uh, She teleported out, by the way. And she is back in town trying to create a nuclear reactor on the rift in time and space above Cardiff. Hey, always trying to cause trouble, this Slovene, huh? Well, especially Margaret. The others don't cause that much trouble anymore. (laughs) I I can't imagine why. It does seem like she was, you know, at least from here, it seems like she was a lot of the brains of the operation beforehand, and certainly, as I think the doctor alluded to, a smart Slovene. I would definitely. She, well... I have to say, I thought that Slovene was, like, the name of the species, so it took me about half the episode to be like, oh... No, they, they, they explained that in the previous thing. Yeah, but it's been a while, so... Yeah, it has been a while. We'll give you credit yeah. there. But yeah, the Slovene is the family name. The average viewer. <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't make the connection immediately. So what would she then be? A what? Rex Korkerfeld, Victorian. Okay, thank you. Yeah, because she even said Obviously. in the episode, oh, oh so female... Sorry, I didn't did, did, that. did you realize that Rexacorcofalopatorian females can shoot, you know, poison darts out of their fingers? As the doctor or catches it. poison from their lungs. <laughs> Unless you've got a breath freshener. There were a lot of funny moments in this. I love the scene. The one the scene that got me laughing when I first saw this was the scene where she's running away from him and then the doctor brings her back by teleport so she's running towards them again and does that like three times. And I'm just like, this poor thing. I thought the yeah. funniest part was Mickey meeting Jack. That was pretty good too, yeah. Gotta admit that. Where he's like, oh, Jumping you're Jack cheesy. Lash. <laughs> And he's like, I'm not up to date with the colloquialisms. Is that good or bad? And he's like, it's bad. Mickey, but bad is good, right? I will say that Mickey as a character seemed really decent in the first half of the episode and then got really whiny and kind of... Fruity. Yeah, at the second half of the episode because of his uh, feelings for Rose. Now, I understand Rose has left him so many freaking times. Uh, you'd think he'd get the hint, but of course his feelings, you just can't help but feel I mean, she, she did not end anything well. It sounds like she was still like committed to him in terms of his lines, and who knows like how long time has passed and what's come in and out. I feel like we need to feel for Mickey to some degree. Yeah, oh, okay, Jeez, except, except, on. except for on one point where I've got to say I, I looked very much down on Mickey for this, is that he starts off by being like, oh, Rose, why don't we go you know, on a date and maybe get a hotel room and stuff, and then we find out he has a girlfriend. 
I mean, that, that that's kind of a terrible thing to do to his girlfriend, just to go, like, cheat on her with his ex. But he did bring it up before anything happened. Well, so that yeah, could have but... been why he was like, oh, we should talk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you don't bring that up in, in, you know, in front of everybody, but he wanted to have a, a quiet moment with the two of them. Something happens, yeah, but it sounds like he was going to come clean before, you know, anything really materialized. Well, and also, I don't think that his relationship with uh, the other person was really all that important to no, him. He actually left the to. date. He was going to go on a date that night with her, and he left her so he could go find Rose. Right. I feel really bad for this other girl, Trisha or whatever. Trisha, yeah. But here's the thing is that, I mean, Rose has left Mickey for a year, over a year. It's been over a year. There's got he's got to move on, dude. And oh, I don't absolutely. blame. And this is his first step in the way of him trying to move on. He's like, okay, look, I've got a, I've got someone that I'm dating. He doesn't necessarily say much too much else about it. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, I feel like I can understand why Rose was upset, but she really didn't have a right to be upset. At I this agree. Point. She. Yeah, she's hanging out with two other dudes, and their first story they're talking about is how they're all naked on a beach together. Like, <laughs> yeah, which I was, I was very surprised to see Mickey, you know, laughing and La- being jovial in that situation. I thought for sure it'd be like a head headlong, like lots of size. I mean, to be I fair, though, like the doctor and Captain Jack were pretty flirty at the beginning, so he might have been like, well. Maybe there's nothing to be worried about here. I don't think that was the case. I don't think it was the doctor and Rose and Jack that were on the beach. I think it was a story that Jack was telling about him and other people, but it was actually a joke because Mickey ended up taking the punchline of the joke. They turned left instead of right at the end. That was I don't think that was a true story or it had anything to do with the doctor and Rose being naked on the beach. I well, but know. Rose was like, oh, yeah, and then we were naked or something. I thought. Did she? I didn't hear that. I think yeah. she was. I think Jack was telling another story. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I heard the part about them way. being on the beach and the yeah. water freezing, but. Yeah, there wasn't any na- nudity. I think, I think your mind just inserted naked because you wanted to see Rose naked or something. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh my! Which you can, by the way, see her partially in the you know her other series, Secret Diary of a London Call Girl. <laughs> what? Our podcast is degrading you? and completely going off uh, kilter here. <laughs> any rate, let's go back to Cardiff. <laughs> you know, I really like the scene with Jack, uh, well, the whole gang actually, where Jack is tra- trying to give orders. And then the doctor's like, wait a minute, who's in charge here? So Jack is like, oh, yeah, no, you're in charge. Go ahead. What are we doing? And the doctor's like, okay, what he said. <laughs> that was that was like, we went through that whole spiel just for that. I love how this is like Jack's first like episode really in the TARDIS, and already he's like manning the TARDIS panels and getting in, in touch with the technology. You really see like he's he's on the same level as the doctor in a lot of ways here. He's not quite your 19th century kind of guy, as he points out. (laughs) He's he's completely different, and I think that's it. It gives a good dynamic between Rose, the Doctor, and Jack. You see a very huge camaraderie between the three of them, especially when they first meet Mickey. And I think that really kind of cements Jack and Rose and the Doctor as As a a really good. Oh, oh so, cements him as a companion, yes, as but a as a team. Together, yeah, they, yeah I mean, also the first clearly family. a lot of time has passed between the last episode and this one. You know that they've spent all spent a lot of time. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's there's novels that have been placed between uh, Captain Jack's first episode and, and this episode. So there's lots of novels. 
Um, they're probably going to do audio stories. I'm sure they're going to fill the gaps quite well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like the tension, like the flirtatious tension is totally just dissipated at this point too between like Jack and Rose. Oh, Jack and Rose. Well, I think in this episode... <laughs> Titanic. I think Sorry. You, you just realized that now. I never made that connection. Oh, come on, guys. Come on. But here's the thing is that this had to... The, the, this focus here was on Rose and Mickey, not Rose and Jack. And I think that's why they did that on purpose. I think there's going to... Yeah, gonna, Mickey, I, the Rory of the series that nobody really cares about. Well, Sorry. No, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, Mickey's an okay character at this point, but it's just like... I mean, he hasn't had a big role, and most of his role was like, Rose, love me. Yeah, let's be real. He's, he's a great guy. He's going to go to bat for Rose. I mean, he's an interesting character, but he's not a companion at this point. He's not going to get in the TARDIS and travel the universe. It's not his spiel. So he's kind of in weak. terms of the story, the, the main plot line, he is certainly sidelined. You know, he's hanging out in London, doing his own thing, living a kind of normal life when he could be, you know, going through frozen oceans or, you know. Yeah, and speaking of which, like, him going from London to Cardiff, I mean, that's not, like, a short trip either. That's several hours of driving for him to just, like, go on a whim because Rose called. Yeah, exactly. He becomes the Jasmine of the TARDIS crew. What? Or the Yaz, sorry, the Yaz. Yasmin, yes. Sorry, Yaz. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> like from Aladdin? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I think even Yaz is a little bit more integral into the team. Yeah, the she story. always travels around. Yeah, this is true, this is true. Yeah, good point. But I was thinking about the Also, side. I was just like, like when buildings are falling apart, cracks are showing, and then Rose starts running, he's like, you're choosing the doctor over me? It's like, no. The freaking earth is breaking in half, like, <laughs> and she's running, and you're gonna give her blame for that? Like, come on, bro. I, mean, I also I wouldn't point to Rose to be savior of the universe, random human who knows someone to run through cracks. <laughs> I mean, granted, she she's valuable when she's with the team and the doctor, and she can foster some good positivity with the team. But you know, this random chick from London who's seen some different planets. I don't know if she can really break down a rift in time and space by herself. Yeah, but I mean, to Mickey's credit, she was going to the doctor, but... Yeah, but yeah. I mean... No, 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 I mean, I'm with you. It's also like, oh, the world's ending, I better go with the guy who stops the world from ending every episode. Yeah. Versus this dude that's trying to have, like, a DTR with me when I'm, like, traveling the universe. <laughs> Let's talk about Margaret for a second. This is a character that's definitely uh, etched out a bit more in this episode, and... We obviously see that she's up to her nasty ways in the very beginning, but then there's a scene where she actually saves someone named Kathy. Well, she doesn't save it. She chooses, she chooses to not kill. Okay, she chooses not to kill Kathy, who is someone who sees that there's a pattern of deaths and, and curses on this nuclear project that, that Margaret has going on in Cardiff. It's a lot like how I save Shelby's life when I grab her when she's close to a cliff and say that I saved her life. Okay, yeah, good point. <laughs> but, I mean... But, and yeah, and it was sort of like when she heard that this woman had a boyfriend and then was and pregnant. Baby. Yeah. That, that kind of brought her back to her own family, and she's like, okay. And you see a little bit more of the humanity in her, and I believe that has to do with the fact that she's been stuck on Earth. She has to 
kind of do the same thing as what the humans are doing in order to fit in. Well, but also I think that you could tell she had really strong ties to her family, so maybe just remembering, like, oh, family still exists, even though mine, like, broke up, could have triggered something, too. Yeah, Yeah. I think that was big. But honestly, I think a lot of the value in the story has to do with, you know, conversations between her and the doctor. You know, you have some interesting philosophical questions about, you know, when it's right to kill another being or... You know, to foster someone's death, even even you know, though you're not going to carry it out yourself, right? Well, yeah, so and like, I she draw a powerful parallel between you know uh, the view the doctor had of her and the doctor himself. I think it was hard for the doctor to negate it. Well, well and I'm, also the the idea that where the doctor was like, oh, well, just because you let that girl go, that doesn't mean anything because that's what you do. You just let random ones go and then you can sleep at night and she points out that he's the exact same way and that he should therefore let her go. Mm -hmm. Which he kind of does. Yeah, in a sense. I think the TARDIS lets her go more so than the Doctor. Well, and like she brings up some valid points that like the Doctor does kind of just show up and then leave and not really like, he doesn't have to deal with any consequences ever. Like, if something doesn't work out, he still can leave and right. then, like, go to a different time, a different planet, like, somewhere where nobody knew that he had any impact on it and can, like, basically just be, like, a Merlin in this story and disappear, you know? Yeah. yeah the problems that he thinks he's solved may not actually be solved. You come back, there's yeah. no Slovene around. Or, know. like, or you come back and there's still a rift in time from that whole, like, Dickens episode. This yeah. runs true with the Doctor's character, even back to the classic era. I mean, you're, you got a, you've got a Time Lord who does not want to stay on his own planet, becomes Lord President of Gallifrey in his fourth incarnation, and whisks off into time and space again, leaving the post twice, not just the fourth incarnation, but the fifth incarnation too. Yeah, they're like, oh, you come back to be President. He's like, yeah, sure, let me just go check something to my TARDIS. Bye, <laughs> see you later. So it's like he... He doesn't want to take the, the horrible responsibility of all the stuff that comes well, after solving the problem. Also, I think he, he doesn't does. like boring stuff. He doesn't like waiting. And so it's also something that, that Margaret points out that, you know, he doesn't normally have to sit and wait. And, you know, or watch, think. Yeah. He reacts. He doesn't have to think about it. Because he if he doesn't, does think, then it's a problem well, for him. He definitely thinks. Maybe a lot of reactive thought. Well, yeah, yeah but I mean, if he ever sits and think, thinks, I mean, think about all the people and things that he's killed. I mean, gosh, his whole planet's gone. I mean, we see him being by this stuff again. Right, again. but like, I mean, so obviously if he ever sat, sat and thought, he'd probably fall into a depression, which we've seen him do. So well, it kind of makes sense that he doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't seem healthy to me. No, it's not. But it's very doctrine. <laughs> All right, Colin. It's time to rate this episode. All right. Boomtown. Now, I have to say, I was a bit disheartened to see that they decided to do a sequel of probably a, a, the two-part episode and the two episodes that I think fell flat the most in this season. It seems like a bad writer's choice. Yeah. But I was pleasantly surprised. It was a lot better than I expected. It was a much better episode than I expected it to be. Um, you know, there was good humor in it, and despite how we decided to open this podcast, it didn't really rely on flatulence. Like, you know, it really did in the first one. Um, but we have some good philosophical uh, discussion. You know, it didn't seem overly tense, but it did have those moments 
um, where it's very powerful in terms of conversation or powerful in terms of a rip in time and space right there. I think we got to remind it of, of Mickey and his point of view. You know, while we're flying through the universe, you know, other things are standing still. And there are other people that are waiting. Um, so for me, this is a great story. I, you know, I, I think Jack was a welcome um, um, member as well. Admittedly, there weren't a lot of big, powerful moments. You know, um, I think there have been grander scales in other episodes. Other episodes are certainly more gripping. But this is a lot more solid than I expected it to be. Um, I'm going to give this a fair 7 out of 10. All right. Kelsey. I agree with a lot of what Colin said. I felt like like there could have been more Jack and even more – like, I, I don't know. I felt like this was a little bit of a – it was a very doctor-heavy episode, which I think was important because it felt like the whole episode was kind of about, like, consequences to your actions. Like, even with Rose and Mickey, the whole thing was – hey, like, you go off and do these things and you leave, and then you don't think about, like, what happens in the wake once you leave. And this was kind of a, even with the whole, like, yeah, she survived the the last fight, and nobody came to check up to see if she would survive. She just, like, disappeared, and nobody followed up, and then she was able to, like, take this power back and basically almost destroy the world again because the doctor was just like, all right, peace out, like, my day is done. So it's a little bit of a... I I liked it because it was kind of, like, giving you, like, a view of the doctor of, like, hey, like, maybe he's a hero for a day, but, like, everything he does isn't great, and there are consequences, and there's consequences for the companions, too, and, like, they're not the heroes that you might make them out to be all the time. So I, I think that's a constant theme in Doctor Who, which I enjoy, of, like, trying to bring a little bit of realism to, like, this whole, like, hero. Like, you're not just a Jedi that can, like, you know, save the world every time with, like, no consequences to your actions. There's not a dark side. There's not a light side. It's all in the middle. Gray. Yeah, very gray. So this was a great episode. It wasn't an amazing episode. It wasn't a terrible episode it was like entertaining i'm glad i watched it i don't think that it would be one where i'd be like you know what like i really want to watch this one again um but definitely i'd watch it before i watch the other sladeen ones <laughs> so i'll give it that um i'm gonna give this one a seven as well all right i like you guys have said i did like the you know sort of the point of driving home the whole, you know, fact that the doctor just up and leaves and doesn't check in on things. But largely, honestly, I thought this was kind of a boring episode. Not a lot happened. It was mostly just people having conversations, which is fine, except for the conversations weren't all that enthralling. I mean, I thought that, you know, it was fairly solid. The plot made sense. It just, there wasn't much to it. Um... I'm going to give this one a five. Ooh, that was a short one. Um, Boomtown, I think, is a slightly (laughs) underrated episode. Um, And the fact that, yes, you bring back the farting aliens that that Colin pointed out from the the fourth and fifth episode. And then you expect the audience to really take with this particular story. I think where it shines is in the dialogue. I think the dialogue does actually allow you to kind of get into the head of Margaret, the doctor, 
and then the Mickey and Rose situation. Jack is a little bit sidelined because he's basically stuck in the TARDIS half the time, or more than half the time. Um, but when you have a huge TARDIS crew, where you have four people, we already know, that's going to be difficult to stay with all four of them. Um, with that said, I, I do also agree that this does have a very kind of lighthearted, kind of romp kind of feel to it. So it's not exactly a very important story, in my opinion, to the whole mythos of Doctor Who. You can skip it and not worry too much about missing it. Um, but it, in my opinion, the reason why it's underrated is because um, it actually elevates Margaret, uh, the one Slovene left from her race, uh, a little bit above what she was before. And she's not just a one-dimensional character that just wants to kill everybody. She actually has more depth. And that's why I appreciated this episode when I first saw it and when I continue to see it. Um, I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. Um, I think it's solid enough, but not quite to the par of, of other episodes. All right. Well, there. Let us know what you guys think. You can email us at thehoovianreview at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Absolutely. If you know over there Hoovians, tell them about our podcast. They might like to take a listen as well. You never know. Anyway, have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.